If you have a Bible this evening, we are going to start in Ephesians 4.27. We're still in this series, Faith and Prayer. And you might want to make a note of this message, Faith and Prayer number 139, April 19, 2023, for future reference. What I've decided to do tonight is to rehearse how to stand and fight, how to stand and fight. Here's what people do. They hope, because we're in this section on the failure of the hoper. Here's what people do. They hope. They live in the realm of hope. And when things don't go as hoped, they get alone or they go see the doctor and they do that and do that and do that and do that and do that until one day a doctor gives them some really bad news. And then they do everything the doctor says. They take every pill, they submit to every surgery, they follow every instruction. And then when all that plays out, they come to us and they want us to fix their faith so they can believe God. Now, that's not the way they phrase it. They say they're believing God. They request prayer. But the bottom line is, for years, they made no effort to grow their own faith. And so then they want us to fix their faith. Well, my friends, it can't be done. So go back to the Holy Week Revival 2018 Mount Moving Faith and learn how God has given to every believer a measure of faith. Actually, it is the measure of faith and how it is up to us, it is our responsibility to grow that starter kit, that measure of faith. And so what we're going to do tonight is review a few things and put it in one message so you'll have it as a reference. Now, I'm reluctant to share some examples. I told our youth minister, Aaron Wood, this yesterday because, you know, it makes me look crazy. But years ago, years ago, I just made up my mind on something simple. I just made up my mind. And uh, so I took, you know, Sue and I have like separate stores of stuff. So I, I didn't throw her stuff away, but I threw all my stuff away. You know, aspirin, Tylenol, all that stuff. I just threw it out. And, you know, subsequently people might be in my home and say, do you have any of this or that? No, I don't have any of that. Now, you might say, well, that's crazy. See, that's why I didn't want to give the illustration. <laughs> all right. But the point is, nobody died of a headache. But here's the weird thing. I've not had a headache since I threw all that stuff out. Now, which came first? I don't know. But I know this, that, uh, well, I'm saving money. Because I, I, I don't know how it works at your house, but Sue goes through my stuff, says, this is expired, this is expired, this is expired, and then I got to start all over. So I'm saving money. Now, Ephesians 4.27, the apostle Paul wrote, neither give place to the devil, topos. Topography is, this is the word from which we get our word topography. Neither give place to the devil. Now, how do we know this only means the soulish realm? How do we know when he says, neither give place to the devil, he's only talking about the mind, the will, and the emotions? Consider tonight, that Ephesians 4.27 also includes the flesh. 
the body. So what I wish I knew 30 years ago and what I would gladly give a million dollars extra into the gospel tonight if I could send this message back to myself 30 years ago is when Paul says neither give place to the devil don't give any ground to the devil that also includes the physical body and so when you have an issue in your body you go DEFCON 4 and you pull in you put in what Lillian B. Yeomans and Kenneth Hagin, the one that went to be with the Lord in 2003, called a full faith effort until you win the victory in that area. Satan is, uh, he's like a military tactician and he establishes a beachhead and we give it to him. Then he establishes a second beachhead and we give it to him. Then, and and we, we all do this. We play mind games. Well, you know, my mom had that. My dad had that. Well, I'm getting older. You know, forget that noise. Uh, but he, but he establish, he's like a military tactician, and he establishes beachheads. And we yield these pieces of real estate, which he does not own. We yield these pieces of real estate to him one by one. And what I'm saying is if we would learn to stand and fight on every little issue, we would never have any big issues or if a big issue came up, we'd be ready for the battle. You have to start small. Tell your neighbor, you got to start small. I mean, there's no use in me tomorrow night enrolling in a karate championship. It'd be ugly. Do you understand? You just can't start at the top. So pick your battles. And, and what I would do, what I'd recommend is, if I were sitting here tonight listening to this message or watching online, I'd pick the most recent thing. That's what I would do. And then work my way backwards. Now, before David went into battle with Goliath, five times he said he'd kill Goliath. Five times. Before he went into battle, five times, David said he would kill Goliath. And here are three of the five confessions he made that day. 1 Samuel 17.32, 1 Samuel 17.32, David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. All right, so that's once. Saul replied, you're not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You are only a boy, and he has been a fighting man from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it and struck it and rescued the sheep from its mouth. Then it turned on me. I seized it by its hair, struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. So he says it again. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. So he says it again. All right. Now notice that David did not begin his fight or his fighting career with Goliath. And that's what Christians do. That's what Christians do. They don't fight the little battles 
And they, they don't want to come to a, a word teaching church like Faith Christian Center and follow the instructions of the word of God. But they'll go follow somebody's instructions. All of them. All of them. They spend their whole lives depending on banks and doctors, and when the life-threatening diagnosis comes, they're ill-prepared to stand and fight. Now, before David ever went up against Goliath, he had stood and fought against the lion and the bear. Before David ever went up against Goliath, he had stood and fought against the lion and the bear. So the Lord's reminding me to give you a quick illustration. And I've used this illustration repeatedly. I know that's why he wants me to use it because I want everybody here tonight to do a checkup. So I come to work yesterday. I wasn't in the office a week ago yesterday because of some furniture moving around. And I wasn't in the office two Tuesdays ago because of the Holy Week revival. So I come to the office yesterday and I find out that we're within one week or maybe two we will be, we will have crossed a hundredfold return on a $50,000 gift this church made to a ministry, a ministry. Now, this is the second time I've done this, and this is how, I mean, we've given away $13 million since we began, but I never specifically attached my faith to a particular specific gift until one night Austin and I were in a meeting, and... Uh, this minister was raising $3.9 million for a basket full of projects. And I know the voice of God, and I'm sitting there, Austin's next to me on my left, and the Holy Spirit said to me, give him 1% of what he needs, and I'll give you a hundredfold return. <laughs> Okie dokie, that works for me. And so I made a note, handed it to the usher, you know, tell so-and-so that uh, there'll be a FedEx coming with, $39,000. Well, so we believed in 100-fold on that. That was $3.9 million. And then the, the, the next gift we gave after that that I specifically attached my faith to was a $50,000 gift we gave to another ministry at the leading of the Holy Spirit. And so we're within one, maybe two weeks of wrapping up 100-fold return on that $50,000. Well, then I move on to the next one, and I got a few of these. Now, $5 million may not be a lot to you, but in my world, uh, that's a lot of cheddar. So my point is, did we start with $50,000? And so repeatedly, I've used this illustration. Decide how much you need or want. Now, I'm not talking, don't start with a billion dollars. You can't, see, that's going up against, that's not even going up against Goliath. That's going up against 100 Goliaths. Uh, a reasonable number for you where you are. And then go to God and say, now, Lord, this is what I desire. And how much of a seed faith do you want me to sow to believe you for this amount of money? And whatever he says, do it. Now, I've used, that, I've, I've used that illustration repeatedly over the years, but it would probably be embarrassing for me to say, okay, now if you've done that, raise your hand. I would, I would say probably it's kind of thin. But if you get bad news from a doctor, 
And, and he says, you know, come see me 20 times in the next 30 days and take this drug, oops, that didn't work, then take this drug, oops, that didn't work, take this drug, oops, that didn't work, all right, now we gotta cut this off, now we gotta cut that off, you'll do all of it. You'll do all of it. And my beloved brothers and sisters in the Lord, I submit to you humbly, money doesn't really mean that much. In other words, if I, I told the, years, the Lord years ago, if you want to teach me lessons of faith, I give you permission, not that he needed it, but I mean, it made me feel better. I give you permission to teach me lessons of faith on money because I'd much rather learn lessons of faith on money than health. Can you see that? And yet people don't take action. Now, somebody might say, why does it matter? Because you need to find out how it works. That's the game. And that's why when, when Satan comes and he tries to take a new beachhead in your life, whatever it is, you got to stand and fight. Because if you don't stand and fight, how are you going to know how faith works? They're loving this. Man, they're having the time of their lives. So before David ever went up against Goliath, he had stood and fought against the lion and the bear. He did not begin with Goliath, and it was David's victory against the lion and the bear. Now watch it now. It was David's victory against the lion and the bear that gave him confidence to go up against Goliath. You know, the Bible talks about if your heart does not condemn you. See, if you have not stood and fought on the little battles and you think you're going to stand and fight on the big battle, your own heart will condemn you because you, you will know you're out of your realm. You're out of your depth. I told somebody just the other day, if, if you're uncertain at all, go see a doctor. If you're uncertain at all, go see a doctor. See, because what we try and do is neglect our faith, neglect our faith, neglect our faith, neglect our faith, and then when we get something that the doctor can't fix, well, now we want to believe God. And we're ill-equipped. Better to go see the doctor than die thinking you're in faith when really you're just operating in hope. And I told my wife today, it's a horrible admission, but I told her I think 90% of my life when I thought I was operating in faith, I was operating in hope. Now, I'm, I'm an unusual minister of the gospel at 67 because I'm still learning. Most people I've met quit learning about age 22. But I'm still learning. I'm still growing. I'm still evolving. And so, he has been teaching me some things. Neither give place to the devil. Don't give the devil a millimeter of territory in your body. Don't give the devil a millimeter of victory in your body. None. Learn how to drive him out every time. Jesus said in Luke 10, 19, I have given you authority. Now in the King James, these two words are translated 
both the same. They're not the same. I have given you authority. The word is exousia in the Greek, which means right, privilege, or authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and overcome all the power. That's a different word. That's dunamis. We get our word dynamite from that. Power, might, strength, force of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. Now look. I think most ministers are maybe the most radical when they're younger, then they chill. I think I started chilled, and now I'm getting radical. Because he said, nothing will harm you. Now, either that's true, or he was a liar. It's got to be A or B. So, our problem is, see... We don't take him at his word. That's the problem. I mean, think about it. I've been doing this next month, 50 years. And the, the, the number one complaint in 50 years, in fact, this church would be at least 2,000 stronger if I just hadn't taught tithing. At least 2,000 stronger. And I'm thinking, you've got to be kidding me. This is like kindergarten. This is like nothing. You're telling me, I'm talking to you, that, you know, you don't come here anymore because, you know, it's too much, but sometimes you watch online. You're telling me that you can't believe God to replace a tenth, but you can believe God to cure you of cancer? How, do, how does that work? See, if I can't believe him at the kindergarten level, well, how am I going to believe him at the junior high school level? Do you see it? If I can't take him at his word on something of no consequence, like money. Oh, pastor, you just talk like that because you got some. Look, 100 years from tonight, what you drove up in won't matter. Where you drive home to won't matter. Those numbers on those statements won't matter. The only thing that'll matter is whether you're with God and whether your family's with God and who you took with you to heaven and what you gave into the gospel. You want a metric? That's it. That's the only thing that'll matter. This stuff, this is just noise. You know, where we live, what we drive, what we... It's just noise. Well, you know, I vacation, you know. That's just, that's just noise. That doesn't matter. The only thing that's going to matter is, are you with God? Is your family with God? How many people did you take with you? What did you do for the Lord? And how much did you give into his gospel? That's all that's going to matter. Were you faithful? Tithing. And uh, see, we got to learn how to take him at his word. He says, nothing will harm you. Do we believe that or not? Nothing will harm you. Do we believe that or not? What does Paul say about Jesus and the devil and his demon cohorts in Colossians 2.15 and having disarmed? What tense is that? 
And having disarmed the powers and authorities, Jesus made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. One translation says Jesus put to naught every work of Satan on Calvary's cross. So he's done. He's finished. What is his gift? What is his gift? How did he get Adam and Eve out of that garden? What is his gift? Deception. So he's nothing. Well, pastor, if, if he's a defeated foe, how come he's running everything? It's deception. Well, I just don't believe deception has that much power. Well, then you must have been asleep in 2020. Because just in the recent days, the CDC director before Congress admitted that you could get the vaccines and still spread it. In other words, they were lying through their teeth. And talk about deceived. Talk about deceived. Deception is a huge power. And this is how Satan operates. Galatians 3, 13 and 14, Christ redeemed us. What tense is that? Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse force, for it is written, cursed is everyone who's hung on a tree. Look, there's a lot of silence, and I'm not sure if you're mad at me or if you're processing, but listen, I'm in the boat with you because I have yielded ground. But there came a point where I began getting greater revelation and seeing, and I was growing, and I was maturing, and I was changing, and I came to a point where I just said, no mas. I'm not going to yield one more thing. And not only that, and since I made that decision, I've not yielded any territory, but now I'm going back like the children of Israel under Joshua's leadership, and I'm, I'm, I'm taking back what was mine. Can you see it? I'm not yielding anything to the devil. Occasionally, I give in to Pastor Sue, but I'm not yielding anything to the devil. She took hold of me today and said, I just wish for one day in your life you'd do what I tell you. <laughs> no, but, I mean, isn't this what the world did with Hitler? Oh, Poland, who cares? Right? Isn't this what they did? And before you know it, the world's on fire. Can you see that? and 20 million or whatever it was dead. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. That means anything you read in the letter from I think it's verse 15 onward in Deuteronomy 28, that, that doesn't belong in you. That's illegal. If that's in you, that's illegal. That's no different than you going home tonight and finding out somebody is living in your driveway in a Winnebago. In other words, that's illegal. It, it doesn't belong there. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who's hung on a tree. He redeemed us in order that. This right here tells you why we were saved. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come, the blessing, of, the, the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus. That's good news for me. So that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. And I'm telling you tonight, I'm teaching you to not give the devil any place in your physical body. I'm telling you tonight, I'm teaching you tonight, drive him out. Amen. Because you have the authority. He's got some power, there's no doubt. 
but we have the authority. So drive him out. Now in this process, you need to do one more thing. I would make sure that I didn't have any faith hindrances according to the only hindrances to faith Jesus ever mentioned. I'm always rattling off Mark 11, 22 to 24. Let's go on and read the next two verses. And Jesus answering saith unto them, Have faith in God, for verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Now that's either true or he's a liar. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Say it, say it with me. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Again, he shall have whatsoever he saith. He shall have whatsoever he saith. But you know, we feel something. We go, we go to a professional. They say we got X, Y, Z. And the next thing we go tell 20 people we got X, Y, Z. Pray for me. See, we, we couch it in spirituality. He shall have whatsoever he saith. So I'm made richer. I, I'm in perfect health. Do you see it? Therefore, I say unto you, verse 24, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. And you shall have them. Say it, tell your neighbor, and you shall have them. Tell the neighbor on the other side, and you shall have them. Tell the first neighbor, and ye shall have them. Tell the neighbor on the other side, and ye shall have them. See, that's either true or he's a liar. See, if we actually believe this, we would decide what we wanted based upon the written word of God, and we would stay with it. Can you see that? When my dad passed away, he had, made, he had given instructions to my mom. He had two, two services. <laughs> I didn't speak it either. He didn't want me. So at the first service, my, our home pastor spoke, did his funeral in Cincinnati. Then we fly down to, well, you can't fly to Benton, Tennessee, but we flew to Chattanooga. But anyway, the service was in Benton, Tennessee. And my cousin, uh, who's a Pentecostal preacher, did the second service. And we had never met his second wife. But they're not watching this. What a, what, a, what a piece of work, man. And I mean, within the first two minutes, she told us 20 times she had chronic fatigue syndrome. It's just amazing to me. You know, and, and so, you know, I'm thinking, well, what good does being baptized in the Holy Spirit do you if you're telling every, I mean, she just met us. We're, we're not like, uh, you know, uh, uh, her ministers that she's coming in for counseling, we're not like MDs or whatever. Why is she telling us this? Well, she's telling the whole world this. And of course, I'm not an MD, but I diagnosed it. I, I, I told Sue, I said, all she's got to do is every time she thinks about stuffing more food down her throat, you know, go run a few laps and that she'd get over the chronic fatigue syndrome. <laughs> Glory! <laughs> I'm just saying. And he shall have whatsoever he saith. And he shall have 
See, people don't believe it. Because if they believed it, they wouldn't let half the stuff come out of their mouth that comes out of their mouth. And he shall have whatsoever he saith. And then he says, and ye shall have them. 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 <laughs> when, we, when we started this project, it's hard to believe, but the second floor was an option. The third, I'm talking about the finish out, third floor finish out was an option. The third parking lot was an option. The ball fields were an option. The two playgrounds were an option. And I'm, I'm forgetting something. And raising all the money we knew we could raise, we were still a half million dollars short. But the good people that God has given us were in agreement when I said, let's do it. It's insane. Let's do it. And uh, weird things happen. So we start construction 2004, and it just rained and rained and rained and rained and rained and rained and rained, and, rained and, rained and, rained and I was, you know, grousing. And somebody close to me pointed out, said, Pastor, there's a bright side to all this rain. I said, really, what's that? They said, we have already picked up an extra challenge offering, and we're on the brink of picking up a second challenge offering. I said, let it rain, baby, let it rain. <laughs> and the day we moved in here, we built, we built it all, second floor finish out, third floor finish out, ball fields, third parking lot, playgrounds. We built it all, and the day we moved in here, we, we, had, we didn't move any old furniture, and we had more cash than the day we started. But we did that through confession. I said, we did that through confession. We did that through confession. We said what we wanted and not what we feared. All right, verse 25. And when you stand praying, forgive. Now, this is brutal. I got to tell you, because this is where I'm at right now. And I've been walking through this the last few weeks. It's, it's, it's a process. And I'm telling you what, it's gruesome. Because... I have made up my mind that I'm going to be a doer of the Word of God and I've made up my mind that there are things in my life that I have not seen because of confirmation bias and I've been asking the Holy Spirit to show me any violations of verses 25 and 26 in my life and I'm telling you it's gruesome because even this morning, I mean, I thought I was done. You know, I thought I was done. A day or two ago, I thought I was done because he had rolled out some names and I went through the whole process. Father, I confess as sin judging those men. And see, now I had Bible on my conclusions. But I was, even though my judgment was righteous, I was violating scripture because the scripture specifically says to not judge another man's servant. And if they don't work for me, if they don't report to me, then I'm out of bounds to judge it. Can you see that? And then the worst thing is, then you open your mouth and you sin with your mouth. And I thought I was done, but even <laughs> just this morning, he rolls out another one. Okay, here we go. So I'm, in a, I'm like in a cleanup operation. And somebody might say, well, that's a lot to go through. Would you rather nurse your grudges and your unforgiveness and your bitterness 
or would you rather get your prayers answered? See? And so, I mean, these are things that consciously I was not even aware of. But if you ask the Holy Spirit to show you, the bad news is he'll show you. But it's, a, it's an opportunity to get it all cleaned up. Amen. It is. Get it all cleaned up. Clean slate. And thank God, thank God, thank God. God's not like us. He doesn't hold grudges. So when we confess it and repent and turn and ask to be forgiven in the name of Jesus, not only does he forgive us, but the Bible says that he casts our sins in the depths of the ocean, never to be remembered again. So unlike people, he doesn't hold it against us. Amen. So I'm expecting big things because I'm doing the right thing. And when you stand praying, forgive, if you have ought against any, that your Father, which also is in heaven, may forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father, which is in heaven, forgive your trespasses. So this, this is, these, are, these, are the, these two verses are the only hindrance to faith Jesus ever mentioned. So I think it would behoove us. I mean, if you're here tonight and... It may not be a life or death situation. I mean, they have printed so much money. Maybe you're here tonight and, and you want to buy a house. When Sue and I bought our first house, we made the incredible, whopping, monstrous down payment of $3,895. And brother... Those days are gone forever. It might take that to pay tax, title, and license on a car. In fact, it would take twice that now to buy to anything worth driving. So my heart goes out. You might be here tonight. It could be a simple thing. Maybe it's not life or death. It could just be, you know, Pastor, I want to get out of the apartment. I want to buy a house. You don't want anything hindering your faith. I said, you don't want anything hindering your faith. And whatever you do, don't you dare judge a brother or sister who stood and fought and died. Don't you dare do it. Keep your mouth and your thought life off it. We don't know everything and not everything is our business. Deuteronomy 29, 29. And this is, what, this is a, an argument denominational people use against healing. They say, well, you know, I knew precious sister so-and-so, and if ever there was someone who needed, who, who deserved to be healed by God, it was her. This is nonsensical because you think you know people, but you don't really know. You don't, you don't know the unforgiveness. Maybe they had in their heart. You don't know the bitterness they were nursing. You don't know if maybe they had a spirit or an air of unforgiveness about them. Deuteronomy 29, 29 says, The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may follow all the words of this law. And here's what people do not understand. <laughs> Tell your neighbor, he's going to get real. Here's what people do not understand. If David had died that day in his battle with Goliath, he would have died a hero because he stood and fought while every other man there that day, including his older brothers and including King Saul, were punks. 
if he had died. He, the story would be in our Bibles and we'd be preaching about it and we'd probably be singing songs on Sunday about the bravery of David, the shepherd boy. If David had died, he would have died a hero. Do you see it? If he had won, he won. And if he lost, he still won. And the same is true of us. If we win, we win. And if we lose, we still win. Because Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 5, 8, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Another, uh, an argument people use against faith is, well, you know, so-and-so, you know, the most godly man I ever met, and he, he died full of faith. Well, I'd hate to die any other way. I got a real wake-up call once when my mom and her second husband and, and uncle were in a horrible car wreck, guy double drunk, literally double the legal limit drunk, crossed the yellow line, hit him head on, and my mom's second husband and her brother died, and, you know, she was messed up, took a long time for her to come back out of that. But I got reacquainted with one of my cousins who's a LVN, not an RN, but an LVN, and uh, she told me, you know, you're in the waiting lounge just late at night, you know, you've had 13 cups of coffee. What are you going to do? You're going to talk. And so she was telling me because she had just been in a situation. She said, you know, Gene, she said, most people die totally drugged up. And she said, but occasionally. She said, anybody in medicine will tell you occasionally somebody dies and they're not drugged up because she had just come from work from one of these situations. And she said, this poor man... We weren't expecting him to, you know, he, wa he wasn't drugged up with morphine or whatever. And, uh, but she said, he died screaming. Pull my legs out of the fire. Pull my legs out of the fire. I'm burning up. Pull my legs out of the fire. And she said, he slipped into hell cursing God. See, and, and you don't hear many of these stories because most people pass from this life totally drugged up. In fact, they use morphine. They, it, morphine is how they kill people in the United States of America. Since euthanasia is not legal, this is what they call, this is how they do hospice. They, they put you on too much morphine and then you, you pass. Pastor, you're really into it tonight. This is some, this is some heavy stuff. Look, the Bible tells stories for a reason. 1 Corinthians 10 says that, that these things were given to us as examples. I'm going to go like Jacob. He, he prayed for his grandsons, and he pulled his feet up in bed, and he crossed over. Amen. That's a man of God. That's somebody who has clout with God. Amen. Yeah. I'm not going to be dribbling from my mouth and incoherent and, you know. Of course, then I might be president of the United States. <laughs> Pastor, everybody dies. Yeah. But you cannot find a verse in that Bible where it tells us that you have to die of something. You don't have to die of something. You can die of old age. You don't have to die with your mind gone. You don't have to die. How about Moses? He, died. He, he, he was 
at the end, he said that the Bible says that his forces were unabated. His eyesight, my God, under the Old Testament, the Bible says that his eyesight was not dimmed and his forces were unabated. Wow. And that's Old Testament. That's Old Testament. Whatever Moses received from the Lord, right? We can receive from the Lord. And then let me wrap it up. Let me, let me wrap up this. Uh, I mean, my job tonight has been to lay it down for future reference. Number 139, Faith and Prayer, April. Is this the 19th, 2023? So you'll know. What do I have to do to fight? And let's wrap it up with uh, Revelation 12, 11. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word. And that word there is logos. It's not rhema, logos. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the logos of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. And that, it is what, that is what is lacking in the church and that is what is lacking in the culture. Let me tell you what, those punks and sissies down there in Uvalde, they, they were checking their Facebook on their phone and they were doing all that while children were dying in that school. And it, nobody made an, an executive's decision to let's go. It was an off-duty border patrol agent pushed past them. He, he, he borrowed a shotgun from somewhere and he pushed past, he actually probably committed a felony. He pushed back past the law enforcement and he went in there and, and he solved that situation. He did not love his life so much that he failed those children. Can you see that? And I don't know if you've watched the video in Nashville, but stones. They did not hesitate. They, they weren't checking their Facebook posts. I know that. And they just buggered up that, those, that staircase and they, they took care of business. And I'm here to tell you. Most of my days are behind me. But what we do here redounds into eternity. And these are certainly not the day, days when 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 they can march into a, when, when the evil can go into a Christian school and target Christians and the government not even, I'm talking about the, the, the federal government, not even, there's no mourning. There, there was no condolences. There was nothing. And, and then within days, they're celebrating the evil. I say, my brothers and my sisters in the Lord, these are not the days to love our lives so much that we shrink back. These are the days to stand tall for God and stand tall for his word and stand tall for our families and then also to stand tall for ourselves and, and stand up and fight and not let the devil have one more piece of territory, not in our mind, our will, our emotions, but not in our body. And when he rolls out some new symptom to turn on him like a Rottweiler and tell him 
Satan, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I curse your every work in my body. And I remind you that Jesus made an open show and spectacle of you on Calvary's cross. Jesus put to naught every work of yours on Calvary's cross. You have no right, no place, no authority to meddle into my affairs. You have no right, no place, no authority to put your hand on my body. I don't belong to you. I belong to Jesus. And Christ redeemed me from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for me. For it is written, cursed is everyone who's hung on a tree. And Jesus gave me authority over you. So in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I command you to take your hands off me, take your hands off my family, take your hands off my business, take your hands off my body. I curse your every work in my body in the name of Jesus. And I command you to go and don't return. Don't, don't come back. Now you might have to fight that battle four times, five times, six times, seven times in one day. And then you might have to get up the very next day and fight that same battle four times, five times, six times. Seven. But I'm here to, look, if it took Jesus quoting the word of the devil three times for the son of God to get him to bugger out, why would you think it's going to be less effort on your part? But what I'm saying is, by God, we're going to stand and fight. Amen. And let me tell you what I told an officer out here. You know, my solution is hire more law, hire more law. And I told a new guy working for us, I said, I said, we're pro-law. And let me tell you something else. I said, you know who else is pro-law? He said, who? I said, Almighty God. Amen. And I told him, I said, it is not our intention to be anybody's soft target. Right. And I said that to him. I'm sure he was thinking natural, but I was also thinking spiritual. I'm not Satan's soft target. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I intend to be a hard target for the devil, and he can't have my wife. He can't have my children. He can't have my grandchildren. He can't have anything that's mine. Amen. And I'm not going to let him establish a new beachhead. Can you see it? Can you see it? Yes. Tell your neighbor, stand and fight. Stand and fight. Tell the neighbor on the other side, stand and fight. Stand and fight. Hallelujah. Man, there ought to be something rise up on the inside of you that just says, you know, no. I'm not. In fact, I was saying that a lot uh, weeks back, you know, fighting a particular pain. I'm not having it. I'm not having it. I'm not having it. And Satan... He, he, he's like somebody with a clipboard. Well, would you believe arthritis? Well, would you believe heart disease? Well, would you believe angina? Well, how about this? Would you believe? And he's, he's, like, uh, he's like somebody with a flip chart. No, 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 no. I'm not having it. 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 No, I'm not having it. And stand and fight. That's right. 